that's to have a meal. Maybe that's to hang out and play games. Maybe that's to watch a baseball game together. I know there's different things that go on. People watch football games together. Just things like that. Ways that we can use what God's given us at home to be hospitable. At the end of chapter 21, we saw that the crowd was really attacking Paul. They were, yeah, they were, they were just about to the point of killing. Uh, at one point, they even started chanting, "Away with him! Away with him!" I think that's pretty similar to what happened a little time before. Jesus was away. The people were saying the same thing. Jesus, they wanted him gone. They wanted him taken away. But Paul was rescued. We saw by the Roman army. And he was being drugged into the barracks. He was being taken in the barracks. They actually had to pick him up in Syria because the crowds were so furious and wanted him dead. Wanted Paul. They wanted him gone. They didn't like what he had to say. So that's what we're going to pick up this morning. Kind of as a weird break in chapters there. But we're going to read just the end, the very end, the last verse there of 21. And then we're going to read through 22. And I just have a few short thoughts to do this morning. Smaller groups, shorter thoughts. And then we'll, we'll be done this morning. So let's jump in. Acts 22, all of you have a Bible. It's page 1103. 1103. And we'll just read it together. Again, and then we'll share it so we're going to start in, in chapter 21, verse 40. It says this, Having received the commander's commission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus and Philistia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers, and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers in this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus, and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said. Go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, with the brilliance of the light blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what you are waiting for. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speak. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately, because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of who were killing me. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. 
He directed the TV flogged and questioned in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported, What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a big price for my citizenship. But I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to question him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. The next day, since the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priest in the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand. All right. What do we see here in Acts 22? Remember, like I said at the beginning, right before this happened, Paul was just about to be beaten. He was just about beaten to death. He said that the army came and they pulled him out before he was beaten to death. But what was Paul's response? What was his response to nearly being beaten to death for his police? Did the cower behind the army? Did he kind of go, oh, thank goodness you guys are here. Just get me away from these guys. Save me. Did he tell the people, sorry, you know what, what I just said, it's all false. I'm pronouncing my beliefs and returning from that stuff. No, he doesn't do that either. Quite the opposite, actually. He just boldly shares in the face of what the people hate, what he's doing, what is what has happened in his life, what God has done in his life. And he does it, he, he just shares his testimony. The testimony of what God has done and, and how God has used that to things in his life for his kingdom. This morning we're going to take a look just at two simple things. We're going to take a look at how we too can share a testimony like Paul did, how it can be powerful. And then since it's our last Sunday here in the building, the other thing we're going to look at is since our testimony is a firehouse over the last five years. We're going to look at some pictures. It's kind of fun. It's just a place to attend how God's beautiful. But first, let's see what we can learn from Paul, how he shared his testimony. Can I get a couple of you guys to come up here? Can you down? Like I said, the first thing we're going to look at here is personal testimony. A couple things I've given you there. One and some points we're going to go through. So if you're taking notes, you can just jot down any notes on your piece of paper. It's going to have some points on it there. You're on the slides here. And the second one is just a sample that we'll talk about here a little bit later about personal testimony. So we're going to look at three critical components. Three things that testimony needs to have in all testimony has in first one is what happened before Christ. What happened in your life before Christ? What happened in a person's life before Christ? You see in several verses here in Acts 22 exactly what Paul's life was like. Let's take a look again at, at verses 3 through 5. Let's flip back over. Acts 22, 3 through 5. Paul says this, He says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Philistia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers, and just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers this way to their death, throwing them into prison. Oh, to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. As also the high priest and all the council to testify, I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus, and went there bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. So we see here, Paul, Paul just clearly lays out what was his life like before, before Christ entered his life. He says, you know, I was, I'm, I'm a Jew. I'm a very uh, 
I followed the Jewish way. I've, I've learned everything. I was one of the most zealous Jews that there was. I was arresting people. I was killing, having people killed for their beliefs. He even said he was so zealous that he went to the point of getting letters and going to other cities to bring in these people that were following Christ and Christians, have them persecuted and have them killed in prison. Now, we're all not going to have a story like that. I don't know if there's too many of us that were really strongly persecuting Christians and having them thrown in jail. I don't think it's been that way. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a very strong uh, testimony of what happened to us before Christ came to The first thing that we want to look at when we're, when we're trying to share our testimony, when we're coming up with a testimony to share, is this. Where were you spiritually before receiving Christ? How'd that affect you? How did it affect your feelings, your attitude, your actions, and your relationship? Now, for some of you, maybe maybe that was alcohol and drugs. Maybe alcohol and drugs ran your life. Uh, a lot of people, when they're saved in college, they, they get into that party lifestyle. Part of it's being released out of the home when they go to school. They, they go to parties, things like that, and they do things. And they drink alcohol and things they probably shouldn't do. Maybe that's your loss. Maybe that's what happened to you before you got saved. Or maybe, maybe it's just a selfish life. Uh, you live for yourself. That's all you cared about before you became a Some of you might have been in, even in more dire situations. Maybe it was possible suicide or things like that. On the other hand, there's probably plenty of you out there that don't even have a story. You were saved as a kid. You were young. And you didn't really have any, any really big things happening. That's okay. Um, when I was younger, I, I used to hear stories of people sharing things like this where their, their life was ravaged by drugs and alcohol and things like that. And I used to think, man, I wish I had a story like that. But I don't because I, I got to say it's But that's, God's given us each unique testimony. And it's exactly the story he's given us is exactly what he wants us to say. For example, if you were saved for a child, again, you probably don't have any of those things. You know, thoughts. I, I was young. I was six years old. I don't remember too much. Before I was six years old, I don't have a whole lot of memory. My memory is bad. I can't remember what I ate last week, let alone 20 years ago. But if you don't have those things, that's okay. You can start with this next question, question number two, if that's for you. What caused you to begin considering God and try to solution to that's where, again, this is where my testimony started. I, I was saved when I was six years old. I remember just having a picture in my bedroom on my wall. And my mom had hung there that my parents had put in my room. And it was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. Some of you probably see it. It's a pretty famous painting out there. He's just knocking on the door. It's all covered with something. And I remember my mom telling me that that door was my heart. And Jesus was knocking on that door. And he wanted it into my life. He wanted it into my heart. And I remember her sharing to me that, that I wasn't perfect. And I knew I wasn't even as a little kid, I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I called my brothers into bad names. I, I'd been mean. I'd taken things into theirs. But she said that because of those things, I needed Jesus in my life. And I needed to sin was forgiven so that I could be in heaven when I died. And that might not sound like a significant story, significant testimony. But I've shared that a bunch of times with a lot of people. And it's been very effective. God's used it my life. God will use our testimony. We use the things that have happened in our life for their need to remember that. We don't have to feel like we need a really cool story or make things up or exaggerate to make it be an effective testimony. We share exactly what's happening in our life. So the second big area that we're going to look at is, is your conversion. Another thing that you need to have in your testimony. We see it again in, in Paul. If we look at verses 6 through 16, we'll read those again. See exactly what happened during his conversion. It says, About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light has flashed around me. I 
fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute Who are you, Lord? I asked. And Jesus of Nazareth, and you're persecuting your spot. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him in the speaking. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord says. Go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to you. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, and the voice of the light was blind. A man named Ananias seemed to see me. He was devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the people living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I would be able to see you. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will. Be the righteous one. To hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash this in your For you, that time you got converged and conversion happened, you might have realized it might have just been a simple thing in your mind. You realize what what happened. What realization did you come to that finally motivated you to see Christ? What was that thing? What just struck a chord in your heart? What I'm living for now isn't just not what it is. For you, it might have been when you realized that party wasn't that bad of fun. Partying, you were hanging out with a lot of people, and there was something missing. Something was missing. It might have been when you realized that money wasn't always stacked up. Having everything and having all the money that you could have just really didn't fill that poor spot in your heart. Might have been a scary situation. Maybe someone near you died or had a fatal accident or something like that. You realize, hey, what if that happened? Again, if you got saved as a child, maybe it was something that happened in your childhood. Or just something you were taught in Sunday school. You were watching Sunday school. It prompted you to see Christ in your heart. Whatever it may be, just clearly share that. Clearly share the steps that happened to change your mind about accepting Christ. And then another thing you want to point out specifically, how did you see Christ? How did it happen? Sharing your testimony, you want to make it clear about it happening. Testimony we need to share in a simple and clear way. Like in Romans 10 89, it says that if you confess with your mouth that you the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We just need to clearly share how we prayed to God and what we said. We need to say how we told God that we were sinners and ask Christ to forgive us our sins and come into our life as Lord and Savior. We need to keep that simple. So many people today in our world are so confused about what it means to be a Christian. So simple, but so many people make it so complicated. People get confused and get lost. Just make it simple. It's very simple. It's not a hard thing. God didn't make it hard. Make it simple and be What happened after your conversion? The third minister. Again, if we look back in Acts 22, verses 17 through 21, we see what happened and how Paul's life has changed. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I saw in this trance and saw the Lord speaking quick and said to me, Leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept the testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to prison and beat those who believe in you. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval regarding the souls of those who were killed. And the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away from the Gentiles. And we know from reading Acts that Paul did go. Paul went to many, many churches. He went to a bunch of places sharing the gospel. His life was different. He was doing something radically different than he was before he got to Paul was no longer dragging people off to prison. But he was working hard. He was working hard in 
meaningful relationships that you now have. You didn't have before. You didn't have close friends that would live life with you. They turned to you and you feel down or you feel involved. Again, each of us has been radical like Jesus Christ. We can articulate these couple changes by answering a few other questions. Like this question, how did your life begin to change after you trusted Christ? And this next question is, what other beliefs or what other benefits have you experienced since becoming a Christian? Simply just share how God's blessed your life, how and how you've changed from it. Maybe that's how your fear or insecurity got. Before you got saved, you were scared of what was going to happen. You didn't know what was going to happen. But now that you are saved and you know that you're going to heaven, those fears are gone. And you can share that. You can share that freely. Or maybe it's how you find real value in relationships instead of just trying to be a conduit to get the things that you want. That's what a lot of people think that. Well, someone just get what I want. Get what I want through that. Maybe that's maybe that's share your mission, how your mission in life has changed. Make that clear. How your relationship with Christ has changed everywhere. Change everything you think about. Change your goals. So once you've thought through these, you've thought through these six, six things, and there's a couple more on that piece of paper that I handed out to you guys. It's got a few little samples on there. Things you can say. Write it down. Write down your testimony. It really helps clear it up. Even if you're just going to share it verbally, write it down. Have it written down. And, uh, I don't know. I'm not thinking one thing this way, but when you write things down, you remember the And you remember the things you want to say and all that. A lot of times you can get in that situation and you can kind of forget, oh, what was I going to say? That's got one cool thing, but, but if you've written it down, you have it. Keep it short, keep it to the point, but clearly explain it. Once you've written it out, give it to somebody else. Give it to a brother and sister here to just kind of go over it with you. Edit it, to look at it and go, oh, okay, that's kind of confusing, that's not. So it's really clear. Along with that guide, I, I gave you guys, I gave you a sample of my personal testimony that I wrote out. We did these probably four years ago, four or five years ago, when we first started the firehouse down here in Oliver. made one of these testimony tracks. And I have the format for that. I'll send it out. I'm sending out the siren this week, so I'll attach to the siren. It's a Word document. It's kind of laid out with all of these type of story in there. And then you can fold it up. It folds into threes. You can give it to you. Maybe it's a classmate that you're, you're done with semester with, and you've been sharing with them, you've been sharing with them. Maybe they haven't come. Just give them a testimony. Say, hey, this changed my life. You can feel free. I, I put my phone number in there. You can, you can be wise about that, whether you want your phone number in there or not. If you want to keep calling, it depends on where you're getting now. But you can always just take the phone number off there. But give it to you. see, our lives, when you, when you change and become a Christian, your life changes. People can see that. We're different. We're different. There's something different about it that people want. And so by having that personal testimony that you can share and by being able to give it to people, people, people are like, wow, I want what they want. Oh, here's exactly what happened in my Here's how it happened. People can get to Again, just by having that, you can, you can have it with you. You can pass it on to friends. People, people will be able to see how you can do that. So that's, that's thoughts on personal testimony. Hopefully if you guys haven't again, made one of those and you've never thought about this before, do it. Make this be your action step for the next couple of weeks. Take a little time. Just write it down. It's not that much. You can see there's probably not that many words on it. You'll write down the testimony. Have it. Have it so you can use it as a tool. Okay, so the other thing we're going to look at this morning is our testimony of the firehouse for the last five years. We've been here in, in the neighborhood.
It's been, it's been a whirlwind for five years. We've been here for a little while. But God's definitely blessed us. He's blessed us each and every place we've been. We've been to multiple different places. We're going to take a look at a few of those. So this is when we first moved down here. This is Sherman Tower Park. It's now called Mezzo Park. I had a hard time finding a picture of the name of the name, but kind of all in one lived, They were pretty small apartments. This is, we had a team come down. A fusion team come down for the summer. A bunch of students. Rich was here. I was here for the summer. Um, a bunch of students come down. And we just kind of canvassed the neighborhood. We ran around. We knocked on doors. We flyers. We did surveys up and down 16th Street. We did surveys in parks. We went into neighborhoods. We really just thought about, hey, this dog comes we all had come down to Fort Collins. You can see a few up there. We just wanted to see, hey, is this is where God wants us. And that's where God had a plan for the summer. We, we had some packed apartments. I think there was a lot of people in these apartments. They were, weren't trying to take But it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So then, after that summer, we decided, we prayed about it. We thought kind of fun. We decided God wants us to stay here. God wants us to find a church here. Yeah. So we met here. This is Thomas Park.
want to meet in, and we don't have to pay extra for on those times when we want to meet outside of it. Um, the way that the market is, the real estate market, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Or to move to a place in the town. So, again, there's a few things happening here that some Brad and I became pastors here. Church God's what? 
transition again, just be frank. Just be frank about the flexible. We're going to have to be flexible. Again, we don't know what it looks like next Sunday. Be flexible. Be flexible. Be praying about it. Be praying for our building and everything. It's all the details come together. All the building details, permits, all that stuff. Be praying for that stuff.